Welcome to episode 30, how to create great expert content for publication. Welcome to the PR Playbook Podcast with Ranjini Joshua, the only podcast that teaches you how to strategically navigate the world of public relations and social media and grow a powerful brand. Hello, and welcome to episode 30. Today, we're interviewing Brian O'Connell, founder of the Kitchen Table Economist website and a former Wall Street trader. Brian is also a well-known business and finance writer at The Street, U.S. News, CBS, and others. He's the author of CNBC's Creating Wealth and a master of content creation. And as someone who's been published both under his own name and has ghostwritten for many executives, I thought this would be a great interview to get expert insights on what helps ghostwriters and content creators, or maybe even entrepreneurs as content creators, make great thought leadership content, specifically as well as uh, learn a little bit more about the writing process, what goes into it, and what it should look like when it's finished. Hi, Brian. Thank you so much for joining us on the PR Playbook podcast. Um, Can you give us a quick background on your experience as a writer? Sure. Um, you mentioned my uh, my background on Wall Street. Originally in college, I went to the University of Massachusetts, and I was the news editor of the Daily Collegian. So even at like age 18, 19, 20, I was heading into a writing and publishing career, but I was sidetracked. I had two older brothers who were traders on the street, and um, you know, I was 21, 22 graduating and had no money. And they said, you know, instead of going into journalism straight away, which wasn't really easy at the time, they said, why don't you come work for us on Wall Street? We'll get you a job. You can make some money. And most importantly, you can have an experience and learn something to write about that's going to be valuable the rest of your life, meaning Mm -hmm. finance and money and that sort of thing. And I I said to myself, there's absolutely no way they know what they're talking about. This will never work. Well, it (laughs) did work. In about uh, eight years, um, I didn't make it to a, a trader's desk and I was trading fixed income on securities on the buy side for Delaware management. And I had spent the previous uh, four or five years on the Philadelphia Stock Exchange and the American Stock Exchange. But when I hit t- age 27 or 28, I was starting to get a little frustrated with the street, realizing it wasn't for me to be a trader, but I really loved writing. And I figured, like my brothers had said, you know, I do have experience now and I can write about money. I can write about investing. And I could really write about people because the intersection of people and money is very intriguing. And uh, one of my current um, clients, uh, Jim Cramer, CNBC, you know, he's living proof of that. So that's exactly what happened. I went and got a job on my own for a mid-level, they would call it FinTech now, but it was a company that made financial services tools, technology for trading desks. It was a magazine and I went for the work, work for them. Worked my way through PBS, um, public broadcasting in Boston, where I'm from, and eventually landed uh, on my own as a freelance writer. And I've been doing that for about the past 18 years. It's been great. Awesome. Yeah, I think I think it does. I guess it makes sense. Get a little experience on you know any kind of industry under your belt, and it makes it a lot easier to um, kind of understand from the ground floor what they're talking about and write about it a little bit more knowledgeably. So that totally makes sense. That <laughs> progression. Um, I like to provide our listeners with useful information they can apply immediately after they listen to the podcast. So I think um, what I wanted to do is if you could shed some light on some basic writing skills when 
contributing content to a publication, um, do you think you can just, I mean, just for kind of a beginner, uh, can you outline the best structure or outline for an article? Yeah, sure. It really depends on two scenarios, whether you're writing for uh, narrative journalism, like a magazine or, you know, or Time Magazine or the Wall Street Journal, or you're writing for a corporate company client, like an IBM or an Apple, uh, your voice is going to be different, your structure is going to be different, your goals are going to be different, and uh, I, I can walk you through the uh, journalism part first. Yeah, they're really yeah. looking. Yeah, they're looking for information. Editors at publications, journalism publications, in media, you know, on, on TV and whatnot, they really want information that is not as much a call to action. They're just strictly trying to inform people. On the content publishing side, in the corporate world, they they like information. They think it's highly useful. The more specialized to what they do, the better. But ultimately, they want some kind of call to action or some guidance that directs the reader or viewer or listener to um, their area of expertise. So ultimately, they're making a purchase based on information they received from the brand, from the corporate or company brand. So there are two different ways to go. They're different, but their uh, information is pretty much standard on both sides of the Sure. The aisle. Sure. What about, um, like, what, what about, let's say I'm, I'm writing something for a publication for com- contribution and, you know, we, you and I have worked together quite a bit on this. So, you know, where's a good place to start as far as, as far as the actual structure of the article? Like if I'm writing something for the first time and I, I really want to write something that's useful and timely, what's a good way to kind of get that article or the topic started? How should I outline my like actual paper here? Well, that's a good way of describing it. Outlining is exactly what you should do, especially if you're a young or emerging writer who wants to get involved in the the, the content business. The ideal is to start top down. You want an unbelievably good attention getting headline. You really need that. It could be a call to action. It could be engaging. It could use cult, uh, cultural references. Whatever you can do, writers have pretty amazing tools in their arsenal. You know, if they're if you really think about it, but you need to be creative and strategize a really good headline to get people's attention. Most publications these days also require DEX, uh, D-E-K, that uh, I, I know you're aware of. That um, is sort of a subhead to the header. And it further directs the uh, reader or the viewer or the listener to what you're going to describe or inform in the article. So you need a good header, you need a good subheader. And the first paragraph, first graph of the story has really had to be an attention getter too. Past that, you really need to have your ducks in a row. You need to have your research done because the rest of the article, the rest of the content, or the rest of the video, whatever you're producing is going to be all information. So... Uh, you do want to take a marketing view to the headlines and a marketing view to the opening graph to get people's attention. Uh, the rest of the article is 99% of the time going to be highly informative. So whether you're using sources or doing amazing research, uh, it can't be bland. It has to be concrete. It has to be specific. There are different genres in uh, corporate content and even in journalism content these days. There is evergreen, meaning you write about a topic like stocks, for instance, stocks and bonds. What are stocks and bonds? That's an evergreen story. It also could be uh, a more current event story. Uh, what are stocks doing today? Well, Apple is down a 10 bucks and here's why. 
So it really depends on the quality of the information you're bringing after you master the, uh, the headline and the subhead and the first graph. You want to be able to inform the reader or the viewer as best you can. That's how you're going to be judged by editors. Um, even if you're, like I said, a young and emerging writer, the uh, editors want a couple things, but primarily they want you to bring the goods to the table, and that is information, good quality information, well-researched. Yeah. I like that. Goods to the table. <laughs> um, so when we're really when we're normally contributing to publications, they usually want a vendor neutral article, and this is something I always have trouble explaining. Not because it's ha- so hard to explain, but I think um, a lot of people, a lot of companies, they are trying to understand how they're going to become thought leaders if it's vendor neutral. So can you explain that a little bit? What does that mean, and how can brands and executives? still exert their voice and expertise without doing like that blatant marketing <laughs> that yeah. they sometimes like to do. No, Ranjita, I agree with you. It is tricky. And it's tricky for the writer too. Uh, I've been doing it for almost 20 years. And it's still tricky for me. Ideally, the company has a really good story to tell and the content you're producing leans on that. What you can do with a, a company or a brand that's prepared, like a Coca-Cola might be talking about selling online or operating overseas or something like that. They always have a good story to tell. It's harder for a younger company that's just starting out to tell the same story. So it's almost unfair, but it's easier uh, the, higher up, the higher up the food chain you go as the writer. But I'll tell you one thing, the, the story, the narrative stays the same. All companies want or should want when they're trying to create content as a brand is to educate the reader, again, the reader, the, the viewer, whatever mode of um, communication you're using. And at the end of the uh, the article, the takeaway is to go to them, pick up the phone, you know, the call to action term we use, and do business with them. The, the first 90% of the article, I'm finding in the last five, six years that most of my clients and uh, working with you really don't want their name mentioned. It's okay to mention what they do or um, operating in the realm of their industry. If it's technology and you're talking about uh, computing or artificial intelligence or machine learning, that's perfectly okay, but they don't want their their names mentioned. There are exceptions. People will want uh, vice presidents or directors of marketing or CIOs, CTOs to be quoted in the story, which I get is fine. Um, I almost think that it interrupts the flow of the story and gets the reader thinking, am I reading a press release? But that's just right. me. Right. Uh, yeah. Ideally, though, you're again, once again, as we said a couple of minutes ago, providing really, really good information, well-researched, well-structured um, we can talk about structure in a minute, but as as you get down to the bottom of the article, it's perfectly okay to say, you know, this is exactly what we do here at X, Y, and Z company. If you want more information and they provide a contact, that happens all the time. Yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to mention major brands that I write for, but I write for a major bank that does that specifically. They have mm-hmm. a box down the bottom of the story and uh, they just use their contact information and how to get a hold of them. But they're really good about allowing the writer to use the rest of the piece, which is, again, 95% of it, to provide really good, succinct information that people can act on. That's what companies want, what companies should want. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really interesting dynamic. Um, it's, you know, it's that little bit of like giving a little bit away for free so that you can give them more later on <laughs> kind of, you know, concept. So. Um, yeah, the writer, the writer, especially a young writer, has to remember it is marketing. You know, it is marketing. Yes, it is. Content marketing or in journalism, information is, is what counts. Always a good goal for any writer of any age, any experience. Know who your audience is and write accordingly. 
Well, this actually, you did kind of touch this a little bit about the best way to include a call to action. So I, I guess I wanted to touch a little bit more on what are the best ways to include a call to action? You mentioned the little box at the bottom, but you know, right. remaining vendor neutral, let's say we're publishing, let's say we're contributing to a magazine. What are some kind of creative or best ways to do that? Well, we mentioned getting a, uh, a quote in from a company leader, company decision maker, uh, at the brand, that helps. That happens a lot. Yeah, that's good. Um, company should want that. Anything, any studies? Studies are huge. Journalists love studies, by the way. So if you're even hiring a writer or a writer who uh, comes from the narrative journalism world, you know, any company should know, any marketing department should know that studies, surveys, reports, white papers, those get into stories and high up too. That develops the brand. That accentuates the brand. Any company wants to be established, any author who writes a book wants to be established as an expert. So studies and white papers and reports are a great way to get in to a piece of content creation for a brand way high up, and readers have no problem with that. They'll learn more from that, and you still get to tell your story, and at the bottom of this, uh, the article, as you said, you can do your direct call to action. That, that's one very reliable way to do it. Quotes are another very reliable way to do it. You mentioned to be creative, and, and you're right. It's not always easy. Yeah. Um, sometimes you blend into the article. I know you and I have done this. You blend into the article and midway through the meat potatoes section, what your company, what your brand is doing. Ideally, it suits or parallels what you're talking about in the leads, in the headline. Uh, it, it should be anyway. But you can mention, um, you, you wouldn't mention a specific uh, machine learning tool that the company has, but if it's able to, I don't know, track stock transactions and build uh, real-time investment portfolios, for example, and the company builds a tool, has a tool just like that, well, that's great. You know, mention that. Uh, just don't mention the company's name. Don't mention the tool unless a company comes back to you and says, you know, we really want you to mention our products or our service in the article. In that case, the writer really has no recourse and does so. Yeah, yeah. And then it has to be up to the publication to fig- tell them no. Yeah, <laughs> no, fair point. Thanks for bailing me out. Yeah, the editor at the publication will definitely have his or her imprint and uh, interest in what you put in the story as well. No, but, you know, for a writer, usually you get those uh, ahead of time. Yeah. And uh, they standards and things like that. So, yes. So I know normally like as a ghostwriter, you might not be as invested, but as a writer, when you're publishing an article, what are like the measurements of success? What are you, how are you measuring? Obviously, if you're, if you're a brand, you want to see like incoming leads or something like that, right. but do you, do you have any, yeah. Are there any metrics that you monitor particularly that, you know, maybe we should be aware of? Well, on our side as writers, I, I do have a, a digital site, associated with the street.com and we're measured by interactions, uh, you know, Google analytics and readers and people who comment and things like that. That's a very common way to be measured. Uh, repeat business. If, uh, if you're working as a writer for a client, could be a corporate client, but more likely in the, in the journalism side and you're getting readers you're getting engagements and, uh, people keep coming back to what you're reading. Uh, it seems almost overlooked, but the better you're, the better the job you do as a writer providing information, the more an editor is likely to ask you back and do more and more and more. And that's a very valid way of building a business, being recognized, and building your own brand as a writer. Have you, that's a really good point. 
I guess one of the questions would be, you were mentioning comments. Right. Is there a trick to, I mean, is obviously we're sharing on social media, we're trying to get it posted in other locations and stuff like that or syndicating it. But um, is, do you, have you had any tricks on how to get people to comment um, on your article? Yeah. yeah. Uh, 80% of it is marketing, really, maybe more. Um, the more act-oriented, you know, politics is really big today because there's an election this year. Sure. Um, obviously, we're dealing with COVID, so anything in the health realm about COVID and influenzas, yeah, people won't respond. Readers and viewers won't respond to a, a YouTube video or an article on CNBC or the Wall Street Journal. Don't, I don't think they have comments, by the way, but any, any, any platform that does have comments, unless it's provocative, right? It has right. to engage them. Almost make them mad or make them uh, happy. Build some kind of emotion where they go, I got a comment on this. Right. And the emotion. highly charged issues of the day, uh, good or bad, or, or politics, uh, how we're dealing with this pandemic. Uh, you can go in the sporting world and, you know, how are the Yankees doing today? Or my, my side of the world with this finance, how the stock market do today. So you have to engage them right away directly and almost as, as a writer in your story. Is think about how people are going to respond or should respond to your article and write accordingly. Usually that means being more direct, more concrete, more examples, more specifics. Anything bland and abstract won't, probably editors won't like it anyway. Readers won't like it. And if readers don't like it, they're not going to comment. So, well, I, you know, maybe, I, I think that's a really interesting thing is like you're basically saying like construct your article backwards. What is the response you want? And then craft it based on that almost, right? Yeah, I think any writer going back to Shakespeare or you know, even be way before, wrote it once, read it, and rewrote it again, right? So yeah. you're right. Um, in this day and age, uh, it is writing it backwards. But I wouldn't do that, you know, I'm not in my career. I like to read the article I want and then go back and see how I can punch it up right. and make it more appealing to whoever my audience is. Remember, we, we first started talking um, for this podcast, who's your audience? What's your goal? Yeah. Well, that, that really fits here. You have to know who you're talking to. Yeah. I think, um, when I said backwards, I sometimes do that with the subject lines of emails. When I'm doing email marketing, I'll like send it to myself and I say, Hey, would I click this email? Would I, you know, and I do even the same thing to pitch, um, journalists, you know, why would they click this email? And so I think it's almost, kind of the same ideas. Like, why would they read this? What are they going to get out of this? Like, I like the illicit or build an emotional response. That really resonates. I think that's really good. If there is no emotional response, then you can't expect someone to comment. Yeah. Yeah. One trick I do use that I should mention is I ask a question. It's just like everyday life. If you're at Starbucks, you're at the local pub or diner and you ask a question, you're going to get a response. may not be the response you want, (laughs) but um, especially in social media, especially on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter, especially if you ask a question and you're leading somebody to read your story, it's kind of provocative and you you do get more traffic that way. But if you just laid something out instead of saying, you know, the market did well today, you say, you know, why did Apple crash today? You're going to get more comments, more responses, more activity. And that's what any writer, any editor and any brand wants. Sure. Sure. That's great. Okay. Well, I don't want to make this too long. I think what I want to make, I want to let people take what we've said so far and I think be able to at least get started, but is there any single best practice that you would recommend to those that are just getting started creating expert content? 
for a brand or for narrative journalism? Which... Uh, for, for, I guess, to contribute, to contribute content. What is like kind of your tip on how to make compelling content for that well, submission? Sure, I understand. Um, when any marketing manager who usually hires writers for corporate brands or some in the marketing department, occasionally PR does that, but mostly marketing, or if it's an editor at a publication or a platform at a, or a broadcasting company, they want to know that the writer is going to take this responsibility off their shoulders and get that work done correctly, efficiently. Uh, I won't say expertly because that's hard to do for even for me at this point, but uh, <laughs> you know, they want it as well as possible yeah. and they want it done in time. And if you can't do that, they're not interested. So the first thing a writer has to bring to the table is reliability, right? Yeah. They have to be accountable and they have to uh, hit the metrics and hit the, uh, the guidelines and hit the story structure and, read up on the client. If, if you're hired by, uh, let's just say, um, for the sake of argument, uh, the New York Times, okay, sure. to write an article on about the pandemic and how healthcare centers are handling overloads these days. That's just for example. Um, you have to not only research the health portion, obviously, through thick and thin for the Times, but you have to go in the New York Times and read their editorial guidelines, read previous stories, talk to people, uh, when I get new clients, the first thing I do is I ask around, you know, what works for these people and what doesn't. And uh, that is, you know, it's, it's some, some heavy lifting early on, but it pays off later on. If you do it early, you won't have to do it later. If you do it later, you're probably going to lose the client. Right. Right. No, that, that's very good advice. Um, that's very good. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for your time. I have a lot of other questions, but I just, you know, we keep this nice and short. Um, sure. And I think this is a very different marketing approach that more brands and, and executives and um, even, I mean, journalists have been doing this, but brands and executives and marketing teams and PR teams have been now like really trying to dive into this content creation. So I think this is really worth knowing and understanding the different marketing strategies and how you can approach content from a journalistic perspective. Can you give um, us a little plug? Like, where can people find you if they want to get some more about your expertise, your experience, maybe get some help? Thank you. Well, uh, my, the largest project I'm working on right now is my own. <laughs> it's a personal finance site for thestreet.com. Jim okay. Kramer mentioned Jim runs it and the street runs it. Um, it's called the Kitchen Table Economist. Kitchen Table Economist, three words all bundled together. You can find it on the street or you can just type it in on your URL right away. And it's what I'm doing on the personal finance world. And there's a community there and there's lots of things going on. We just started a month ago, so it's early, but cool. uh, hopefully we've been doing it for a long time. Thank you. That's, that's really cool. It's exciting. exciting. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. You can find, um, you can find Brian on LinkedIn. We'll have his information in the show notes as usual. Um, and then just as a note on the website and the podcast site, we was we were having some issues with gated content, so all that stuff has been fixed. You should be able to easily um, access the podcast without entering anything or going through any gates. Um, you can always access the podcast on your favorite podcast player, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, Stitcher. And um, as always, we appreciate any show feedback and suggestions on topics. You can email me at podcast at thesilvertelegram.com. Or you can contact contact us through the website at www.thesilvertelegram.com slash the PR playbook, playbook podcast. I'm having some verbal issues. Thank you so much for listening today and good luck with your writing. Mm-hmm.